Hello, I'm Frances Lewis, Head of Osborne Clark's Workforce Solutions Sector Team. And I'm here today with a partner from our Munich office, Thomas Leister, who heads up the firm's Workforce Solutions Sector Team in Germany. In this short podcast, we're going to talk about the main legal challenges around using self-employment and statement of work models in Europe. Working as a self-employed contractor or consultant is nothing new. Uh, Contractors have been engaged and supplied on this basis for years, but the growth in the use of off-payroll contractors and gig workers and people who are variously called freelancers or consultants has significantly increased in recent years and there seems to be a trend that's set to continue. So that's one of the areas we're going to uh, very briefly touch on today. Um, And from an employment status point of view, it's something that needs to be looked at quite carefully because it's not always straightforward. Where individuals are genuinely self-employed, the independent contractor engagement model can be used to work in multiple countries and jurisdictions. But it's not risk-free and needs to be used with caution and understanding of the risks. The key question is usually, what constitutes genuine self-employment and how did the tests vary from country to country? I also mentioned statement of work in the um, opening and just briefly to touch on how this fits in with self-employment. Because self-employment usually involves demonstrating accepting a degree of financial risk and liability for the services that are provided by a consultant or a contractual freelancer, this model often also goes in hand with a statement of work as a way of contracting. A statement of work engagement, which makes the self-employed contractor liable for delivery of a set of deliverables or outcomes, is more likely to support self-employed status. In the UK, uh, with the changes to IR35 in 2021, That has affected the way in which end users and staffing suppliers engage with self-employed contractors. And we've seen a growth in use of the statement of work to try to get around IR35. Now, clearly IR35 is UK tax legislation, but we know that other countries have similar legislation or laws which were intended to prevent the use of false self-employment to get around employment, tax and labour licensing rules and requirements. So Thomas, I know you've advised on this a lot. Can you tell us a bit about self-employment tests in Germany? Thanks, Francis. Yes, as Francis says, contractors, many of whom work in IT roles, work as independent self-employed consultants. Some are engaged by the end user organizations and other by recruitment agencies. Provided they work in a genuinely self-employed way, They can be paid gross of tax and social security and liability for this tax will not transfer to their clients or the recruitment agencies. In general, they will not have employment rights and the risk of employment claims against their end user clients should be very small. Where a staffing company is involved in supply, they will not constitute a supply of labor and so the staffing company will not need to supply them under an AUG license. The decisive question is how to differ between a self-employed contractor and a dependent employee. In contrast to employees, 
independent contractors are not personally dependent in their work. An employee, however, is any person working for another person in personal dependence based on a contract subject to private law. There are a lot of criteria to keep in mind when um, thinking about the status of an independent contractor. There are mainly two crucial criteria. The first criterion is the personal dependence on directives regarding place, time, and specifics of the work that has to be performed. That means monitoring, directing, and controlling. And the second criterion is integration into the operation of a third party, for example, the client. For the delimitation of employee and independent contractor, the actual implementation of the contractual relationship is crucial. The term of the contract and the desired legal consequences are not the decisive factor, but the content of the contract and its practical execution. Therefore, if the contract made by the parties and the practical execution conflict with each other, the practical execution of the contractual relationship prevails in any case. And that's important because the lawyers can provide you with um, a lot of nice contracts, you have to implement them in practice. Similar yep. tests around who controls the work are common to employment tests in other European countries. There are different types of self-employed model in Germany, in particular, solo self-employed worker. That means the worker does not have a company and does not engage employees who support in providing the services. Such solo self-employed workers are very common in the IT industry. Another type our own limited companies, OLCs. We've seen a lot of self-employed models where a company with limited liability is used. Please note that such model will not directly prevent pseudo-independence in German Scheinselbstständigkeit. In case a self-employed worker uses a limited company, German authorities and courts will check whether the individual worker is a true self-employed person. Another type of self-employed model in Germany um, is an own company with own employees. That means if the self-employed worker uses an own company and engages own employees who support in providing the services, there are strong reasons for self-employed uh, self status. However, the German regulatory authorities try to find arguments for dependent employment by stating if such services are done, or at least can be done in an employment relationship, the work is dependent, but not self-employed work. Recently, the authorities like to use this argument when the work is performed remotely or from the home office. Other countries like the UK have a different approach. Getting self-employment status right is crucially important if you're planning to engage or place independent contractors or consultants without exposing yourself to significant tax, employment, criminal and regulatory risk. I remember a company that did not take care of contractor compliance and let health insurance, pension insurance, criminal prosecutor, tax authority and internal compliance department contacted them. Francis, I believe the position is similar in the UK and that statement of work is being used as a way to operate outside IR35 and also to help businesses engage and supply contractors outside the UK on a lower risk basis. Yes, that, that's right, Thomas. Um, the tests of self-employment in the UK are similar, not identical, but similar to those in Germany, with key questions being around the degree of end-user control 
and I think you touched on that um, just before, and whether or not the contractor can show that they run a business, for example, by assuming business risk, such as being responsible for an outcome or getting paid for what they deliver, rather than getting paid for the time they spend providing the services. And this is why statement of work has become more popular because it provides a contractual and operational framework within which self-employed contractors can or appear to supply their services as independent contractors. Many staffing suppliers developed a statement of work offering following the changes to R35 in the UK, but I think it's fair to say that not all statement of work models work and some are just staffing suppliers under a different name. It's not always easy to identify when a project is suitable for statement of work, but generally speaking, where the work can be clearly scoped out, where a price, time for delivery and work agreed um, can be identified, and sometimes this can be um, fixed in terms of um, overall price for the work, split up into milestone payments perhaps, and where the contractor will decide how and when the work is done, then this may lend itself to statement of work way of uh, working and contracting. However, where deliverables are hard to define or whether the requirement for service is open-ended and pay for on a time spent basis, then this is likely to be less suitable for statement of work. But if you can get statement of work to, to fit, um, if you can get it to work as a matter of contract and practice, there's a big advantage. And that's because where it works, it can be rolled out across multiple jurisdictions, perhaps with minor tweaks, because it supports self-employment and the self-employment tests are similar in most countries. If you can offer or engage services on a genuine self-employed basis supported by a statement of work, this will significantly reduce the risks relating to tax and employment status and breach of regulatory regimes such as licensing laws. And of course, contractors working outside their country of residence will always involve considerations of tax and immigration status. And clearly, post-Brexit companies parachuting UK contractors to work into the EU will need to look carefully at the immigration rules. But as a starting point, state of work um, is a good model to consider if you are wanting to scale your contractor supplies across the EU. I think that's all we've got time for today, Thomas, isn't it? But if you have any questions about this and what you need to do to operate a low self-employed um, or statement of work model, please do get in touch with your normal Osborne Clark contact and we'd be very happy to discuss it further. Thank you.